This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 177 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant alongside. And Nick, another great week here uh, of hockey, of course, is uh, we're now into the month of September, which is just wild to think about it. Basically, it's been State Fair Week, um, although. So I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but how's it going? Uh, well, funny, when I went to the State Fair, um uh, was there for 14 hours. Um, so <laughs> just, just uh, a smidge of time. Just a smidge. Yeah. But you know, I go once a year, it's a family tradition. Uh, you, you try to take it all in one shot. Cause you know, it's, it's just a lot to see, but it also is not so kind in the pocketbook, <laughs> but uh, walked over 11 miles in that 14 hours. It was 28,000 and some steps. It was, <laughs> it was pretty nuts. The hips were not lying. Meaning they were crying uh, by the end of that night. It was not good, uh, but a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good food. A lot of good beverages. You know, you take in the sights, the sounds, and it's kind of depressing too, Noah, because at least here in Minnesota, it is sort of that end of the summer, you know, bash slash party. And you know, when it's that's done and over with, it's like crap. Yeah. Well, now we're really going to slide down the ladder. The question is, how quickly do we reach rock bottom? Which also means hockey season's also around the corner, too. So there's some positivity there as well. Yeah, certainly is. Only a couple of weeks away. Month of September and moving into October means women's hockey gets started usually earlier than the men's, as is the case this year. And then men's hockey rocking and rolling pretty much in about a month or so. Uh, a little, little, little less depending on certain teams. But St. Cloud State actually... Um, waiting quite a bit actually on the men's side for their for their piece so um but yeah i mean i feel like it's state fair weekend in minnesota and then i feel like labor day weekend at least around here once you get through that all the all the city folk go back to their natural habitats for the (laughs) for the winter months (laughs) (laughs) where i mean in north dakota that's like what three places that could actually happen so oh that's being generous i would say fargo fargo is the only place that probably really qualifies a little over two hundred and ten thousand there so i mean yeah hey we're trying okay um but but nonetheless what we'll try to do as well we've got a very good women's program for episode 177 that uh 
had a pretty decent end to the season, neither in North Dakota or Minnesota for that matter, but uh, um, did do well against Minnesota-based teams when it counted. So we're going to talk about them. Uh, and then we're kind of going to revolve a little bit back around to some NCHC news. We didn't get a chance to talk about this because of recording time. Last week, we'll talk about the NCHC's new playoff format and then some other tidbits as well. You won't want to miss it. We start with Center Ice View News and Notes presented by the HuskiesIllustrated.com website and the SodaBot. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Episode 177, Noah Grant alongside Nick Maxson here. And Nick, uh, before we get on to the WCHA and the women's side here, um, we're going to stay in women's hockey, but a bit of a more sadder note. We also didn't get a chance to add this because of time of recording last week, Nick. Actually, a college that I ended up playing against on the men's side here, Gustavus Adolphus, um, hockey goaltender Jory Jones, uh, the D3 national championship team from last season, uh, died after suffering injuries in a car crash in Minnesota, coming back from South Dakota. This, of course, was confirmed last week, Nick, um, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So I uh, kind of actually fit the bill for the slate that we had last week. Just a bit of unfortunate news. And I think, uh, um, you know, with a difficult situation with multiple people kind of caravanning uh, through there and and she's the one that kind of ends up with it it's been a, a really difficult time for gustavus which is actually around your neck of the woods uh in terms of regionality yeah i had a, a cousin that went to gustavus adolphus was a gusty right yeah. um and let's not forget too i mean yeah jory jones i mean you know the ultimate price unfortunately in a, in a motor vehicle accident and it's just it's devastating right because those are sort of the things that you know granted you know when we wake up every day we have no idea what's going to be thrown her away um both expected and unexpected right and let's not forget there were three others that were injured in that crash that were yeah. also part of that same team too so it wasn't an isolated incident but uh unfortunately it was just jury that uh unfortunately suffered the, you know the uh, the worst of it all and we Certainly here at the Huskies Warming House podcast, send our sincerest thoughts and condolences to the family, the friends, the teammates, uh, the hockey community that it is with Gustavus Adolphus. Um, it's it's terrible, right? You just you never you never expect these sort of things. You never want these sort of things. And, you know, it just, it brings you back to the, the, the moment when I heard uh, about the bus crash up north in Canada. Right. Uh, and yeah. that's, I'm trying to remember the uh, humble. Yeah, Humboldt, yeah. but more so like 2018, I believe. 2018, but I'm trying to remember, was it around the fall time or was that more in the winter time? I'm trying it to was, It was more winter time. They were actually they were going up to, uh, to Nippawin to uh, get ready for that game five of that playoff series. And that's right. I uh, ended up being about an hour away from that. Actually, just I ended up watch, rewatching the documentary um, about the next season. Of course, the team got back and they had a really good documentary, obviously, that they put out too. And, you know, it's just. I, I think uh, where we've always gone back, I know my mom has always talked about this, especially when that Humboldt bus crash happened, because it was actually very close for a lot of us here in the Minot community, because a lot of players that have played um, in Estevan, you know, in Humboldt, kind of in that region there in, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And it's like, um, 
you know, you think about how many bus trips you take as a player, how many car rides you take with your buddies, your hockey buddies coming back, you know, like these gals were. And, you know, it's just, it's a really difficult time. And it, it's, um, you know, you think about how it, it, it could have been any of us, depending on the circumstances. And you think about all those really great road trips. And unfortunately this one, just one that did not end so well, you know, I mean, it's right. And, you know, to preface, I, I know that the, it sounds like the crash was in an intersection yep. uh, in the city that uh, the accident took place. Um, I, I know for a fact, at least they're looking into it. It doesn't seem like anything was um, a foul from at least the initial indications were um, th that the police disclosed. So, I mean, either way, still tough, no matter the circumstances. Right. Uh, so, like we said, just just tough times. And certainly the whole hockey community, especially here in Minnesota, is rallying around uh, Gustavus, Jory Jones, the family, the friends. It's again, all you, all you can do in a time like this. Certainly would agree. Um, speaking of things that were done, by the way, the NCHC releasing its new playoff format for next season, welcoming in Arizona State next season as well too that means nine teams nick and uh i uh, it's been an interesting format to say the least i i, I don't know if it was expected or unexpected but do you kind of want to walk fans through uh what we are going to expect for sure because the nchc has put it set in stone sure it's actually something i suggested which was uh one of two things one a first round buy for the number one seed or maybe a play-in game and that's exactly what we're getting but the NCHC actually went a step further, and I really like what they did here. Uh, the 8-9 matchup will take place on a Wednesday prior to that weekend series, and will take place in the building of the number one seed, which I think is the right move, Noah, because, again, this for the travel constraints, especially for the team that wins, right? Imagine being, oh, gosh, Arizona State. Yeah in that spot, right? And let's just say, for example, just for the sake of geography arguments, it's North Dakota that's the number one seed, right? That turnaround time, I mean, that's a huge disadvantage to add that travel in. But now you bring in, you know, the opponents together, they're in that same building, and then essentially there's no travel time. You can play the game. You've got at least one day of rest before that Friday game starts. So not only does it keep the timing of the NCHC tourney essentially the same, but it's accounting for that travel. So I do think it's the best of both worlds. I actually really like the decision here. Um, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Uh, again, there was multiple different avenues they could have gone with this yeah it, you know trying not trying to split hairs but I, I really feel like this is the best of what they could have done with that odd number of teams yeah um we actually ran a poll about it and talked about the different ways that we could have done so essentially the question was was the current format that they selected did you feel that it was perfect should the number nine seed just not be included in the playoffs or should the number one seed get a buy similar to what the big 10 does with their seven pool prospects um 54 or excuse me 57 percent otherwise 74 of our 129 voters said the current format was perfect that far outweighed any other selection um 23.3 percent or 30 people said the number nine seed should just not make the playoffs and 25 or 19.4 percent said the number one seed should get a buy nick i actually was not in the majority here to be honest with you um, really? yes, I actually was not, uh, I'm a very big proponent of the number nine seed, just not making the big dance. I, I, again, I, Boy. I've always kind of been along the lines of why are we giving a team that finishes last in a conference, another kick at the can, 
But I mean, I get it. It's potential additional revenue, potential additional viewing does create some drama if the nine seed wins and then somehow upsets the number one seed in the NCHC. Um, but I just I, I and I get the equal opportunity. Everyone at least gets a chance. You can't say that you didn't get an opportunity. But again, the NCHC is all about excellence. So why are we rewarding the opposite kind of thing? I have a, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the current format. Like it's not an issue because really it's the same thing. It's just you get one more game in there. Um, but it's weird. I mean, like, you know, statistics wise, you're adding an extra game technically too. obviously not that that makes a huge difference, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm also okay with the fact that if you have eight teams normally make the playoffs, why not just have eight teams normally make the playoffs and not really worry about the travel and the expense and the yada, yeah. yada, you know, I don't well, know. <laughs> no, no, you make some good points, right. With, with the nine seed and, and, you know, the, shall we say you're, you're trying to, I don't know. I don't want you're, to. You're, you're trying to you're trying to milk the cow for all it's worth. A little bit, yeah. But at the same <laughs> time, this is also college, right? And the NCAA is, well, I have to say that it's about equal opportunity, right? So it I, is. I, That's not the NCAA. I, mean, I know. Well. <laughs> That's what's getting. No, no, it's but you're, you're, <laughs> that's a whole different rabbit hole we could go down to, and that would take hours, which we do not have at least tonight. <laughs> but you know, in I, I know for a fact that they were contemplating the other side of things, right? It's you know, what is the worth here, or maybe you know, does that make the regular season games maybe to some teams toward the bottom a little bit more interesting because yeah, it's either you just try to get it done. But the other thing could be said too, is say you're a team that's a clear number nine squad. Does that create some sort of apathy too in your season? If you know, you have no chance and it's like, well, what yeah. you know, much, I, right? And I thought it was interesting. Max Veach had talked about it too. Congratulations for him getting married, by the way, too. some really yeah. great photos from that wedding. Um, First. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had very Duluth vibes to it. I will say that. Um, but I, I, he made a point essentially was saying the difference between eight and nine is like minute at best. And I'm like, is it though? Do we really well, think it's going to be in the NCAA? I mean, like you said, there could be a clear difference where it's like a six or 10 point spread. And like, to me, that's significant. I feel. Well, not only that, but ask Colorado college last year, right. Coming into the fold, you know, you, I think you need to give the teams the opportunity to play it out. Right. And, you know, regardless of, you know, what we put a value on an eight or a nine seed, um, I just don't know with the size of the conference. Right. And I know that the Big Ten does it differently. I, I think the NCHC here is doing the right thing here is that you're giving the teams to, the opportunity to play. And let's think about it. If you're the eight or nine squad, you got to play an extra game. Right. Yeah. I think there's 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 potential drama for that in it by itself. Right. Um, because. God forbid someone goes on a, a late run. Like imagine St. Cloud last year, right? Where they had a bit of a tough stretch there for five or six weeks. Say the NCHC is just a gauntlet and everybody is beating up on each other. And those point spreads maybe aren't very big, right? And all of a sudden you do dump from a three or four seed, maybe down to an eight or nine seed. Um, there's some drama there, right? So I I think it's it's the yeah. best. Way to put Cer the certainly significance of if you're a seven or an eight seed trying to make sure you finish in the seven spot so you don't have right. to have the extra extra travel. So I guess from what my understanding is, just to clarify, it's they would play on that Wednesday and then they would get a day off and then they start Correct. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, for that three game series. And, sucks, and again, it sucks if you lose that game, by the way, too. Well, and here's the other thing. That's technically a neutral site game, too. Yeah. 
right? So, and you wonder, and I think the one thing the NCHC is going to wonder with this, and God forbid how long this format stays pat, right? Are we going to stay at nine teams for a bit or are there other plans? I tend to think more of the latter than, you know, shall we say the current. But I do wonder what sort of uh, shall we say attractiveness from the fans' perspective would be to watch an eight-nine squad, um, especially in some of those other buildings like Grand Forks or maybe even the St. Cloud. Um, I, I just I don't know, but again, I, I like the fact that everybody gets a chance to do it. Let the you know let the kids decide it, not you know a regular season bout, and then. Like you said, there could be a, you know, a miracle on, you know, shall we say, I-94 where a team just goes on that run and nine seed takes it all the way home. And remember, there's a chance. And I think we may forget this. No, there's a chance that whoever wins the NCHC tournament gets an auto bid to the NCAA tournament. So I think you got to remember, too, that if you just say no to a nine squad from a conference perspective, you're also saying to that team, you don't really get a chance to earn your way to that. I don't know. That's just. Another caveat yeah. that sometimes I think we forget I, too. I, I was just thinking when you said miracle on I-94, and I think the biggest miracle on I-94 would be getting all that construction done every year. But that's, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> never going to happen, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of constructing a great squad, nine seed or otherwise, there is a group that did very well at neutral sites, especially towards the end of the regular season on the women's side, Nick. And uh, when you're talking about the Wisconsin Badgers, too, by the way, on the women's program, we have them coming in in our WCHA previews at number two here on the women's side. And uh, again, obviously a very storied program. They ended up finishing third last season uh, behind Ohio State and then a good gopher squad that had a good push late in the year. But I, I think it's safe to say, all things considered, Nick, <laughs> especially if you're a Gophers fan, Wisconsin ended up getting the last laugh, uh, all things considered. Yep. Uh, seventh NCAA title for them. Uh, it, it obviously worked out well for head coach Mark Johnson. Uh, Nick, last season, uh, record-wise overall, 4-1, and one, uh, or I guess I should say, I, I guess I didn't update the one for St. Cloud, so we'll have to go back and look at that. But everything else uh, should be accurate, of course. Uh, their record, still very good and uh, mattered when it counted, 6-1 and one in the playoffs, and uh, the wins came at the right time for the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I remember a certain other broadcast partner that's on this podcast that were kind of down on Wisconsin. And I said, you know what? I don't think so. And and they proved they proved me right. Because here's the, here it is. Wisconsin has always been a strong team in the regular season, right? They've, they've never really shown, at least in recent years, maybe some of the, I don't want to call them struggles, maybe pitfalls at times. Um, but I said, hey, this Wisconsin team is battle-tested. Yes, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I still just with Mark Johnson at the helm and that group, they're talented, but more so they play the game in such a smart way uh, to not write these girls off. And uh, well, there you go. Right. Um, so you saw you, you spoke of records right here, Noah. So let's talk about uh, some of the stats here. Right. Again, 29 and 10 and two overall. So this one win shy of a 30 win season, which is no easy feat in the WCHA, especially now when there's really a top four. When you come down to the most talented squads in this eight team conference, 19, seven and two overall in WCHA play um, again at home. They're almost unbeatable 13, four and one on the road. Again, still pretty good 13, six and one. Um, and this is where it gets kind of fun, right? Uh, six and one in the playoffs. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, 
you know. Well, they they ended up losing to Minnesota, and that was going to be the big test: is could they solve yep. Minnesota? They did in overtime, of course, in the yep. Nash the Frozen Four semifinal game, and then a one to nothing finish for them uh, for a national championship against Ohio State. Which, ironically enough, Nick, the only time the Huskies win in four tries against. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers also coming February 3rd, a one nothing finish for them. Enina Newland had had the game winner at four on four, actually, in that game. Shots 39-15 in favor of the Badgers and the only victory for the Huskies uh, against Wisconsin. And I believe, if uh, memory serves, I believe this game was in Wisconsin. I think this was the game that was actually at the... It was, um, it says Lebon Arena, but I think this one was the one. Yeah, at the Cole Center, the attendance was over fourteen thousand. So a uh, pretty good showing for the Huskies. Uh, I that game for St. Cloud just random tangent them, and of course the Hall of Fame game against the Gophers when the spotlight shone the brightest in some of these games that were in different venues or kind of highlighted. St. Cloud made the most of it against some top top three teams, but again, like Wisconsin <laughs> seventh national championship. So who really? You know. Right. But, you know, and, and we'll obviously touch more on, you know, why St. Cloud was able to beat these two opponents. Granted, they got them only once. You know, you know we want to see that actually happen a few more times, obviously, in the same season. But at the end of it, you know, Wisconsin, again, you know, there's their their playoff, you know, proficiency and the way that they approach these, you know, high level games. And, you know, to us, they're high level games. But I think for Wisconsin's and you know, the Ohio States and the, and the golfers, the world is they don't really change the way they do it. Right. You know, they just keep doing what they've been doing that made them successful. And it comes down to a bounce here or there. Right. And I think for Wisconsin, again, those are close hockey games that, you know, they won again, you mentioned overtime and then again, a one goal uh, victory to take down the Buckeyes. Um, again, Wisconsin just, they're just poised. Right. And, and I think that's why when you see, you know, a team like the Badgers maybe not be as dominant in the regular season in terms of a record, we can't really, you know, shortchange them a bit because again, when the, when the lights, as you mentioned, are the brightest, uh, this team doesn't waver. In fact, it's almost like they, they welcome the extra challenge. They welcome the spotlight and the players certainly that are on this squad, uh, certainly welcome, uh, you know, the more stressful or the more high intensity situations. And, you know, it's ice in the veins and, well, obviously underneath in their skates too. So, um, with that being said, again, uh, Mark Johnson, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, with him and his tenure at Wisconsin that, you know, we're not talking one of the best hockey coaches, whether it's men's or women's. I mean, I think you and I know Noah would share the same yeah. accolade. At what, at what point for Mark Johnson is he, I mean, is he already legendary? I mean, he kind of is in my book. I mean, my goodness, the run he's had as the yeah. women's coach um, there at that, uh, to have that consistent pedigree is just, it's unbelievable. Well, winningest coach in NCAA women's history, by the way, 623, 123, and 55. So let me say that again. Uh, he has exactly 500 more wins than he does losses on the regulation side of things. So, um, and, 50, and so, uh, somehow 55 teams brought him past regulation into overtime. So I, d I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> like you said, I mean, oh. seven, seven NCAA titles since 2006. This is going to be his 21st season, by the way. Nine regular season WCHA titles, WCHA Coach of the Year um, as well, nine times. Uh, five Patty Kazmaier Award winners, 22 All-Americans. Oh, Jeez. and by the, by the way, did we mention uh, he happened to win a gold medal uh, in 1980? I don't know if anyone has watched that game, heard of that game. I had some... I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, 600 yeah. NHL games as a, a side piece to this too, by the way. 10 years in the show, five teams that he played for, two of which are now new franchises, by the way. Um, Hockey Hall of Fame inductee in 2004. Uh, number 10 was retired at the University of Wisconsin uh, back in 2019, the first player for that program to have his number retired. And hey, his dad, Badger Bob Don- Johnson, always knew that it was, in fact, a great day for hockey and was a great coach as well, too. So yeah, Nick, I mean... I mean, what more can you say about Mark Johnson? I remember a couple of years ago uh, getting to interview him on the 40th anniversary of that 1980 Olympic contest and getting a chance. And I remember, um, and I don't know, maybe I've told this story in the podcast. I probably have, I'm sure. You have. Um, Yeah. But just knowing that we ended up talking with the media coordinator when they rolled into town. So for those who don't know, just kind of a bit of backstory about Wisconsin before they come in and kick the crap out of most of the teams over the course of a given weekend, they usually like to bus over and practice the night before, and then they'll kind of get ready for the Friday contest. So Thursday night was the plan that I was supposed to get a chance and sit down with him for like 10, 15 minutes and kind of go through this miracle on ice interview. While I don't know if there was a miscommunication or what it was, but they practiced for, you know, whatever it was, an hour and a half. Uh, and then he got off the ice and no one ended up telling him about it. So I waited, you know, for almost two hours. And of course you could tell, I mean, they they had come off the bus. They were pretty tired. They had just finished practice. You know, all you want to do, it's like nine o'clock at night. You just want to get to the hotel. Um, and he was like, yeah, can we do this in the morning? And I was like, what time? And he's like, eight o'clock in the morning. Can you be here? And I was like, I'll be here. And I remember getting there and, you know, pulled him into the the room so we kind of had the space there and i i know that you know he didn't really know what kind of interview he was getting of course it was a student from a radio station you don't really know and i remember i asked the first question and we kind of laid out his accolades which as you can imagine this is like a partial list by the way like this is a very condensed list talking about kind of that experience and i think after we got to that first question he realized that um, as I hope a lot of Huskies Warming House podcast fans do, is that Nick and I are very passionate about the game and the history of the game. And I think he recognized that right away. And it was I probably, we've had so many great guests on this show, NHLers, Olympians, you name it. I, I still think, Nick, that might be my favorite interview that I've ever gotten to do. I think just because being an American, growing up, learning about that game, not having to watch it live. I mean, my dad was in high school you know, he's like a junior in high school when that game happened. I think to, to kind of see Mark Johnson and be able to have him talk through that moment, you know, through his own experiences, I, I think was just absolutely riveting. And on top of that, Nick, I'll throw it over to you. I, just one exceptional coach accolades aside, the way that he approaches the game, he has never stayed stagnant in the way that he approaches the game. Some of the drills that, you know, he kind of pulls out of the bag for these teams year in and year out. I'm like, how did you even come up with that? I mean, Nick, no secret that coaching and hockey IQ uh, is definitely in the Johnson family hands down. Right. I mean, it is. And, you know, as the game changes, he almost, I don't want to say changes with it because that's being reactive. He, he almost drives the change, right? Yeah. Uh, you can watch when you watch this team, especially in the offensive zone, just some of the systems that he implies. There's a lot of timing elements to it. There's a lot of coverage, you know, elements to it where if a deep pinch is, the winger is going to come down and everything has to be 
essentially in sync so well because if one element is off one second or one stride here, it just doesn't work right. So this the, the fact that you know he teaches essentially the reads so well, right? Because you know if there's one thing Noah that we talk about, I don't think enough on the podcast is you know it's easy to talk about players with the puck and what they do with it. Mark Johnson is an absolute genius of teaching players where to be and when to be there when they don't have the puck in so many different scenarios and more so like you could even take face-off drills right in the offensive zone uh if your team wins the draw watch that weak side winger dig right down and become essentially a pass option um and then that strong side winger comes around the back or goes down low right what if they lose the face-off you know these players are taught so well that i mean wisconsin and their history of winning is a directly attributed to the details that he coaches. And, you know, and again, it's, it's not like he's, you know, with coaches, you know, if you stay stagnant, you never have success. He's, he's grown with the game. Yeah. He's, he's adjusted with the way the game is played now, speed and skill. Um, and it's just amazing to watch, you know, what he does and what his team is able to accomplish on the ice. It really is a privilege. I think that's the correct word here because at the end of the day, you know, how many players who play the game as a as a women's collegiate athlete, if Mark Johnson calls you on your cell phone and wants to talk recruiting, how many of those put that to voicemail? I guarantee you almost zero. Yeah, exactly. You think uh, when he's running through systems, by the way, do you ever think he tells anybody that, you know, that coast to coast stuff may work here, but it won't against the teams they'll be playing? Just kind of curious. I would think that that's probably like day one orientation, honestly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's he probably is in front of the whiteboard and, you know, <laughs> and it says, hey, you know, this what you know, he actually might as a joke. And I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> guessing. It would be kind of funny if he played his miracle clip and said, yeah, no, that actually still doesn't work in today's day and age. Um, you but- know, and, and it and it's probably comes down to, I mean, by the end of the year, if all those girls don't realize that at some point they've got options, right? I mean, exactly. on the whiteboard, I mean, come on, like pass shoot score or- you know what you know what it's interesting too when we talk about mark johnson too and i i always like that scene in the movie um uh, eric peter kaiser of course playing mark johnson in the 2004 film miracle and i think that you know of course like for me growing up that was obviously the recollection that we had of the miracle on ice game too you know our first kind of taste of it um and i think that i love that scene because it really highlights the fact and people don't talk about this enough um especially during that game against the Soviet Union and probably the entire tournament. I mean, Mike Ruzioni scores the game winner. He's the hero. Everyone kind of talks about that. But Mark Johnson was far and away the best player in that game against the USSR and probably the best player in the tournament for the U.S. Like extremely underrated in the way he approached the game. And it's, you know, when you talk about Mark Johnson, when you talk to Mark Johnson about it, He's so unassuming in the way that he approached the game and almost kind of the way he played. I mean, a great player, but it was never it was never really truly about Mark Johnson. And I think that scene really encapsulates it because the reaction of Eric Peter Kaiser's, you know, character that he plays essentially is almost similar in the sense that Mark was so good at the game and so good at approaching the game that his reaction when, you know, Kurt Russell, Herb Brooks calls him over and tells him that isn't isn't from a standpoint of 
like he was doing it intentionally trying to go coast to coast. He just, he read the game that well that it came naturally to him, but he didn't need to overstate it. His play did the talking. And I think to make a exaggerated point even longer, his coaching has done the same. I mean, 21 seasons and we haven't got, I mean, Dan cook has been there his 22nd year. Uh, Jackie freezing crumb hit her 15th season. Mark Greenhall has been there for a long time too. We'll touch on them in just a second, Nick. But I think with this Badgers program, Nick, you know, seven and five when the opponent scored first. So, I mean, they gave themselves a chance seven and four in one goal contest, only 17% of the power place. I mean, special teams on the offensive side wasn't exactly crazy and their worst goal differential by period was in the third period. So as games got later and later and your games got tighter and tighter, we talked about this and this was my concern last year, especially during the regular season. They didn't really have that ability to close and the ability to finish. Well, overtime against Minnesota and being able to hang on in a, in a nifty one, nothing national championship game. I, I suppose we can all admit, I suppose maybe I was a little bit wrong in the end. I, maybe I should have, you know, <laughs> I got lucky too, but you know, uh, no, going back to the special teams thing, right. Is, you know, I, I think for their power play, right. The one thing that drives some of those numbers, right. Is they almost didn't have to be because because five on five, they're electric. Yeah. Right. When you're when your power plays at 17 point some percent, but you're still averaging four point plus goals on average per game. Um, it's not like you're I don't want to call it a normal team. Right. But if you're shall we say like a, a Duluth or a St. Cloud or maybe a Minnesota State and, you know, your power play is there to kind of supplement some of that offense. Right. Wisconsin doesn't have to. So, yeah, I mean, now the one argument you can make is in these playoff type games that can make a huge difference right but again wisconsin so confident in the way that they play the way that they forecheck and the way they defend too right we talk about their offense but goals against under two per game so you have already a plus two differential on average between goals for and goals against um i think that's one thing that gets over overshadowed a bit now similar to the golfers uh, no, and that is the third period, right? If, you know, they tend to be sort of in cruise control the first two periods, but, you know, if teams hang tight within those, that third, that goal margin, that goal separation is a lot smaller in the third. Uh, so, you know, if there's maybe an area of opportunity and mind you, it's not even really truly an area that can improve on. It's more of just an awareness that, you know, for close games, you know, you know, just to try to see if you can't again, break through that extra little, um, what do you want to call it? Energy or effort, or maybe that one power play goal is a big difference maker too. Right. So at the end of it is not really a whole lot. You can pick through this Wisconsin game that says this is a weak spot because it really is more lapses in their game and they're not very long, but they're not very big. Yeah, certainly would agree. And I, you know, when you talk about lapses and in, in the defensive game, there's a lot of teams on WCHA that are offense heavy, but they don't supplement that with good defense here. Not only does, do they defend well, they bring a little bit of punch from the back end. Dan Cook in his 22nd season as the associate uh, coach, obviously bringing that to the forefront. Eight uh, blue liners who have earned All-American honors. Nick, to give you an idea, um, 18 seasons You know, over the course of this, by the way, the Badgers have ranked in the top three in the country in scoring 16 times on the defensive side. So that gives you an oh. idea. So, And if that wasn't enough, right. by the way, a great example, 2015-16, NCAA record for them, Nick, 
only allowing 29 goals over the course of 40 contests. For those keeping track, that's a .72 goals against average. Like That's ridiculous. Insane. 23 shutouts that year, Nick. And did they win the Natty? I don't know. That's a great question. I actually didn't Honestly. look. I, I, pro- <laughs> I, I probably should have. But again, that's where we talk about, you know, those tight scoring contests. You know, sometimes you need a little bit of that. We talked about that with the Gophers last season uh, or, or last time we talked WCHA is, you know, having that ability to kind of play some of those closer games as the WCHA continues to get more competitive. Like you said, it's a four four horse race right now, maybe even five. If you know you start to see like St. Cloud or Mankato start to, you know, bring a little bit of energy as well too. I uh, assistant coach, Jackie freezing crumb 15th year for her former Badger back right before actually uh, Janelle Sergey, by the way, uh, 2001 to 2005, she's been coaching since 09, 87 points in 136 contests as a Badger for her. And then the volunteer coach, Mark Greenhow, has been there since 2007, usually working with the goaltenders uh, for Olympians to his credit as well, too. So Mark obviously uh, has a crew that he's sticking with. I think that that's safe, safe to be said here, Nick. Um, but I mean, this this Badgers team, before we get to like individuals, le- individual leaders, when we talk about their team game as a whole, we love to talk stats, or at least I do. Um <laughs> What what does the eye candy test tell us about this Badgers team? Why do we have them pick second for a team that ended up finishing? What was it? Uh, all things considered, a good uh, eight points behind the second place Golden Gophers last season. I think you know, for those who follow the WCHA and you know, I mean, we've we certainly been talking about their accolades so far in this episode. Uh, we kind of felt like it just some of those games just maybe got away from them a little bit, right? And Sometimes it's stout defensive efforts. Sometimes the finish from some of those forwards that normally put the puck and that just wasn't there. You know, sometimes, as you mentioned, hockey is a weird sport sometimes where you're doing the right things and, you know, you're, you're making the right uh, right reads and for whatever reason, a puck's off of a post or it skips over a stick because for whatever reason, there's a one little rut in the ice and your saucer pass just happens to catch at the right time, right? So, um I, I think we saw that, right? Which is this team is still so talented and, you know, we spent so much time with the coaching staff. We don't have to keep, you know, tooting their horns. Um, this is a dangerous hockey squad year in, year out, because again, they just reload every single year. They're like the UND of the WCHA. Let's just call it what it is. Right. Although maybe not this year for UND, but we'll touch on that later. Um, but uh, you know, at, at the end of it, I think, they just were the recipients of some, maybe some bad hockey God type, you know, results. And uh, we don't foresee that to be, shall we say a consistent trend going into this year. We feel like at least in the regular season two, and certainly in the playoffs that they will be back to prominence and uh, they'll be sitting in the top two of this conference, which is again, as we mentioned before, and uh, we really truly believe this WCHI conference is looking a lot more competitive on the top end than it has in recent years. Yeah, that's a scary statement in and of its own right here. Um, of course, Wisconsin, like any team, has to deal with some departures here. Three forwards, three defensemen, a goaltender, seven total. Uh, five of those being graduates, uh, two forwards, two defensemen, a netminder, and then two, a defenseman and a forward being a transfer out for this program here, Nick. So let's mm-hmm. kind of walk through those. Maybe we'll start with our graduating players that, as far as I can tell, I don't see them on the roster. So again, if one of these is incorrect, I apologize. But this is, to the best of my knowledge from what I can see, uh, this is who we have not returning this upcoming season. Yeah, so we have uh, Nicole Mamantia, 
Um, so at the end of the day, you know, she had, she had a pretty good uh, season at 29 points. Again, as a defenseman, 12 goals, 17 assists. Uh, so you're losing a little bit of offensive punch in the back end. But as we'll talk here probably pretty shortly, um, that gets replaced also pretty nicely. Uh, Natalie Bookbinder, um, another smooth skating defenseman, more of a shutdown defenseman, but yep. still added 15 assists um, as far as, you know, the offensive production, the blue line. Uh, and then you've got the two forwards, Sophia Shirley and Jesse is a comfort, yep. uh, I believe is the two. So uh, again, Jesse Comfort 40 points. Uh, so that's a big one. And then Shirley 37 points. So you're losing a little bit of production up front, but uh, respectively, Again, not losing some of the top scores at Wisconsin. Uh, we'll still keep around, but uh, nonetheless, and it shows the depth that this Wisconsin team has, right? They do lose also goaltender uh, Candy Cronish. Um, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, not as it's not that much, honestly. And then transfers, as you mentioned, one and one. Grace Shirley um, didn't have, she would say, like the, the most eye popping numbers at six points. She's going to go over to Providence, looking definitely for some more playing time. And then the junior defense is at Mason Toft. It will be heading away. Uh, just one assist in 19 games. Uh, certainly looking for a little bit more ice time, a little more opportunity. Um, I don't believe she is committed. Not, uh, that, I, not that I see. Um, I, I was looking at that earlier, too, Noah. And I could not find. And again, for those, uh, if, if we're wrong, please, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, send us a DM, put us in the comments. But we did not see uh, uh, Mason Toff uh, having a commitment as of uh, today here in August when we're recording this episode. So um, in total, right, you have essentially seven folks that will be off of the Wisconsin roster from last year, but they're bringing in. Seven more, right? Yeah, yeah so that's it's correct. Equal, equal out. So, um, speaking of symmetry, right? That kind of helps sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, we've never practiced it on the Huskies Warming House podcast, but I'm yeah. sure others have found great success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and uh, obviously, like you mentioned, two defensemen, four four forwards on the freshman side, one transfer in, by the way, and then three graduate players, including Bismarck, North Dakota native Britta Curl. I actually got a chance to play on Team ND uh, with her brother, by the way, also a great forward. But Britta, obviously, some very good success at the D1 level. Um, her brother, Byrne, very good hockey player, too. Uh, defenseman, uh, Kayla Edwards, and then... Uh, the graduate staying, one of them is actually a transfer. It's actually Anna Wilgren, and I think that's a great place to start. Uh, only a couple contests for Mankato last season, but uh, trying to kind of weed through this here, there's a couple of reasons why. Former U18 Team USA product, Nick, 19 games across the past three seasons, but not necessarily due to injury. She was redshirted, even though she was a captain, because a couple of years ago, one of the 28 players selected for the Olympic residency program was hoping to be that player one of the players that was selected for the winter Olympics in Beijing that year, she was like one of the last cuts, like the last defenseman cut and decided not to burn her year of eligibility. So this I believe will be in a technical sense, her sixth season in the NCAA and likely final one for the Badgers, but uh, a player as a graduate defenseman, that is a great leader, veteran presence, had a great story career at Mankato in the years that she did play here, Nick. And I think she's a player potentially that might honestly still fly under the radar just because of her lack of playing time at Mankato because of the Olympic program. People within the WCHA and within those circles know her well and they'll be prepared, obviously. But I think there there is a chance sometimes to just see Anna Wilgren as a transfer. You look at, you know, the the overarching numbers for the former Mankato Maverick and you think, huh? wonder what Wisconsin's doing there. But then you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, well, Mark Johnson, he's He's at it again, right? I mean, it's... It, and yeah, and, and that's the thing that I, you know, 
we, we probably don't talk enough about, and that is when you build programs, right, you're not looking for the same talent. You're looking for little differences, right? And if there's one puzzle that if coaches can construct um, more seamlessly, Mark Johnson knows how to do it, right? And you're, if he sees that you're a fit in this program, you will be. So uh, as you mentioned, right, uh, Wilgren coming in, uh, there's no question she's got the experience, she's got the accolades. Uh, maybe in terms of collegiate stats, as you mentioned, doesn't really jump off the page. Uh, but I think she'll be there more of a calming presence, right? Because I think well, with, with Wisconsin, right, it's it's a balance between their high-octane offense, which they love to involve their defensemen in, but also making sure that, you know, while they're – essentially in that almost like four player four check they involve their d so heavily that you do have that one safety valve that can skate that can maybe potentially uh handle an odd uh, odd man rush the other way and just be able to kind of read that potential breakdown that way and i think that's sort of the role that maybe he envisions for a defenseman like her you know again not the most offensively gifted per se but one that is smart and is going to be the last line of defense for mark johnson and their squad who again as much as we talk about this before uh we see and we talk about their offense but defensively very underrated and very good on that back end and partly is because a lot of the defensemen two-way and she'll fit right into that same mold yeah, certainly would agree. And obviously, you know, when you, when you get kind of set into this idea, too, of bringing in a bunch of these freshmen, we've talked about this, too, uh, bringing in these forwards, these defensemen as well, too, Nick, um, it, and also a goaltender as well to boot. It, you know, it, it makes a big difference to having a veteran player like, for example, an Anna Wilgren, who is coming in as a transfer, obviously a bit of an adjustment for her. We'll have to kind of see how she handles that as well, too. But um at the same time, seeing someone else with that veteran experience go through that transfer, maybe ease in along with these freshmen as well, too, I think will just be a really good mix. Of course, uh, redshirt goaltender Chloe Baker from last season, by the way, for the additions, is now among this group, uh, as well as goaltender Ava McNaughton as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, uh, it's actually uh, three forwards and two defensemen, so I believe we're technically at eight, if my math serves me correct. Not sure why my notes didn't didn't update, so I'm trying to kind of scramble here. If anyone's trying to piece that together, but um, <laughs> yeah, Nick 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 knows what's going on, and he's trying to not to not sell me out, but I'll sell myself out nonetheless. Um, <laughs> we can start with the netminder, I suppose. Nick Ava McNaughton. Uh, yeah, and, and this is a big one, right? Because uh, she's six foot, right? So she's, yeah. she's a pure goaltender, um, as you mentioned, coming on over uh, part of the freshman class. Um, if there's one thing about Mark Johnson's um, squads is that they usually have some height to them. Um, and what's to say that finding a, a good goaltender that's six feet over in the women's hockey side not an easy task, um, but when you do find one uh, that's coming in again as a true freshman at 18 years of age, um, she's going to be good, right? So, uh, how much ice time will she see? Again, you do have some uh, some other options in net as well. Again, three total goaltenders on the roster for the Badgers, but I would think that she's going to get a pretty good look. Uh, again, just looking at her numbers and some of the history that she has, uh, I think she's a strong candidate to push for whether it's either an alternating role or or potentially, you know, maybe a starting position. But we'll see. But I would imagine with her frame, she's going to get a pretty hard looking camp and uh, a chance to maybe win over a spot. Yeah, certainly would agree. Two defensemen, Ava Murphy and Lainey Potter here, Nick. Um, maybe that's as good a place as any to start. And I, I think... When you think about players, again, Ava Murphy, a great example, obviously, the 2005 uh, product uh, from Kitchener, Ontario. 
I would say this screams to me, especially with the Canada U18 experience um, and just, you know, I don't want to say limited playing time, but just number of games played per season. I think this just maybe screams, maybe shut down defensemen. Is that kind of how you might? Possibly, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, too, this is also similar to college hockey. You know, we, we have this argument on the men's side, right? NCAA or, you know, college or uh, Canadian junior, right? Canadian junior plays a very long schedule, right? Close to an NHL schedule. Um, sometimes when you're used to the games played and it's just an easier transition, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily a reflection of her game, you know, and at the end of the day, as I mentioned before, Mark Johnson calls you, you answer, right? So um, I, I just kind of think maybe just, whether it was injuries or whatever the case may be, you know, we just, we don't know for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, she'll be given in every opportunity to earn a particular spot. And I think again, coming over from Kitchener, um, your uh, let's just say your base is good, right? I, <laughs> they know how to play hockey around there. They know I think. How to play. So I, I think again, for her, it should be a, a decent transition and we'll just have to see, you know, how she plays the game under Mark Johnson's system, which again is more offensive first, defense second. But uh, one thing I will tell you is no matter who he puts on the ice, they can skate. Yes. Yes. Certainly would agree. World junior uh, gold medalist, by the way, for team Canada. Also on the other side, the other defenseman, like we mentioned, uh, Laney Potter, uh, of course, uh, U18 uh, world junior product for Team USA, by the way, uh, played with the Philadelphia Junior Flyers last season, had 67 points in 71 games from the back end, 27 tucks and 40 apples. Um, so maybe a little bit more offensive minded, Los Angeles, California native at five foot 11, by the way, Nick, uh, yep. as, a tr- as a true freshman. So, I mean, that's, again, a little bit of height on the back end, never hurt anyone or on the forward side, just ask, you know, Janelle Sergey, by the way, former Badger, not a big deal. Um, and then <laughs> on the forward side of things here, I, I like we mentioned, uh, Bella Vasur, um, Cassie Hall and Kelly Gorbat. Gorbat Gorbatenko, easy for me to say here, Nick. Uh, any one of those, that, <laughs> I would like to not to. So we'll start with Kelly, so I don't have to start that again. Also Wait, five foot eleven. Yes. Yeah. Also five foot eleven. By the way, um, so she has no reach or anything like that. Yeah, on the forward side, nothing really to kind of garner. Of course, also on that World Junior team for Team USA as well too. But uh, playing with the Chicago Mission, who by the way, there's a couple of former Huskies on the men's side who have had some success uh, in that program as well too, Nick. But again, talking about someone like Janelle Sergey or someone like Kelly who has a little bit of height on the women's side here, especially on the forward side, it can be easy to be kind of a lank, lanky you know, tall forward, but at the same time, uh, as someone who is a bit vertically challenged like yourself, Nick, what do you think when you see a foot? What do you say? What do you think when you see a bit of a, a forward with some height advantage coming down the ice besides frustration and, you know, some deeply rooted, um, therapy type things? Uh, well, none of the above that you mentioned at least, but, um, <laughs> what I, what I will say is because Mark Johnson's, you know, offense, they love to cycle, right. And cycling is dependent on a couple of things. One puck protection, right? So when you got a long reach and when you can use your body to shield, right, it makes it very tough for some of the defensemen that shall I say is my size, not as tall. We'll put it that way, uh, to try to reach around you, try to poke the puck off your stick. So it ends up turning into more of a physical match. One thing that we probably don't talk about enough, Noah, is sometimes in the WCHA, there's some physical corner battles there, right? And yeah. one thing that you can do with your size and your reach is, well, just endure, right? Because then as, you know, the team that is essentially getting frustrated on the defensive side and you're trying to create turnovers, you're trying to disrupt that cycle, uh, this is where you can kind of chase a little bit too far, right? Uh, maybe get caught, 
you know, too far along the boards. It opens up, you know, areas in the middle of the ice. That's what size can do in an indirect way, right? So when you see players of that size coming down on you, yes, angles are important. Yes, trying to funnel pucks into those, you know, areas that are not as high grade. Uh, but it definitely becomes more difficult when you're going up against, you know, shall we say those higher end type forwards as a smaller defenseman where it becomes that time about positioning and making the smart reads, right? You can't overcommit. Uh, you certainly can't undercommit and it becomes about skating. And then again, you just stick to almost kind of try to push the puck into the areas that you want to push and trying to get them off of their cycle game. So it becomes tougher. Uh, it just means you have to play them a lot smarter um, rather than harder, maybe per se. Yeah, I certainly would agree. Uh, Bella Vester, by the way, again, hard to kind of garner some statistics, both both of these next two players, 19 U AAA players, by the way. Uh, but to kind of give you an idea for NA, NAHA Red U19, by the way, if my math serves me correct, she's currently 18. So this would have made her 14 playing with the U19s, had 27 points and 34 contests all the way back in that direction. So I would say things obviously succeed. Successful. Um, if it makes you feel a little bit better, Nick, uh, five foot seven. Um, and then Cassie Hall at five foot six, former Team USA World Junior uh, product as well. Two latest statistics from a couple of years ago for the 14 year program for Little Caesar. So, of course, very prominent program, especially on the women's side uh, in terms of that. 129 points in 64 contests, 88 goals during that span. So, obviously, someone Ooh. who has a good offensive touch here, Nick. I uh, Again, Wisconsin kind of doing what they do well is um, they have a healthy mix of speed and size. But I think when you look at Wisconsin, one of the things that stands out to me is thinking about players that seem to have a knack for great hockey IQ, seem to have a knack for being able to read the game appropriately. Uh, this group of incoming freshmen, Nick, no different. And that's what helps you assimilate too, right? Is, you know, when you're coming into a system that is, I think to maybe the untrained diets is a little complex and too, an incoming freshman, it might be a little complex, right? But then when you realize it's just a read here or a read there, and you know it's it's not as complicated as you think, but it's more of it all has to move as one piece, right? Um, you know, I think when you have uh, that mindset, you know, of being able to play in that style, it makes it that much easier, right? So one of the reasons why Wisconsin has been able uh, to be a championship contender year in year out is because of not necessarily the the legs or the wolf legs feeding the wolf or whatnot. It's been essentially the brain power, right? Um, that's the type of players that he will recruit. Is that you have to be certainly an athlete and you know have good pedigree there, but he also has to make sure that you know you have the smarts too. And uh, this group is is a classic Wisconsin recruiting class. And uh, again, when we talk, uh, you know, when we get to see this group up in person or playing the Huskies, it doesn't take long for this team to gel. And uh, uh, let's just say this is not is rarely a time where we see Wisconsin under this leadership that isn't running on all cylinders. Yeah, it certainly would agree. Less than 30 days away from puck drop here for these Wisconsin Badgers, by the way. They travel for their first games of the season. They are actually in Lindenwood at the tail end of September getting things rolling. And then they're at home for, uh, I see, six straight here. First two are non-conference. They play Boston College on a Thursday, Friday in the first weekend of October. And then they're at home for WCHA action. Mankato uh, comes to town and then Bemidji State before heading on the road for six straight. It is St. Thomas, St. Cloud to start November. And then Ohio State before 
a home set against Duluth and finishing off the first half of the regular season on the road, Ritter Arena, Minneapolis, Minnesota against the Golden Gophers. That's Those, a gauntlet. Holy it, is, it is a gauntlet. Uh, Nick, I am I, obviously the Huskies were very curious on too, but they get a week off during that stretch after playing St. Cloud. And then I, uh, they play Ohio State on the road. They have Thanksgiving holiday weekend off, and then they host Duluth and then play Minnesota. I seem to remember a certain podcast with some very poorly known pundits talking about yes. <laughs> uh, how how those certain teams might be a formidable challenge in the WCHA. You think we're going to have some fun hockey to watch on hand coming into the months oh, of gosh. November and December? Yeah, very much so. Right, and uh, and again, if you know, certain teams like the Huskies and others, you know, make some steps that we think they might make, you know, granted Wisconsin, you know, they've always kind of been at a different level. The big reason why we have them at the top and, you know, they are certainly tough to beat once, not let alone twice right there. They're just a team that, you know, even when you do maybe take one away, they, they come back and, they 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 avenge themselves to put it that way. Um, this is going to be some really good hockey for the WCHA, uh, hoping to be in some of the buildings uh, in a different capacity. You know, for our parts of the season coming through, that would be pretty nice because yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be great again. Duluth is a team that's on the rise. St. Cloud State the same. Uh, we've been talking about Wisconsin today and how good they have been. We have a number two on the board and. My goodness, uh, if you're a yeah. women's college hockey fan or how about this, a, a young woman that's playing hockey and is looking at, you know, where do you want to play if you're looking for the next level? Uh, there's some really good entertainment you can watch and try to figure out, you know, just and obviously if the black and, and red is there, definitely pay attention to them for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, going to be some good hockey to watch. Uh, been, get out to the rinks, too. My gosh, these are fun games to watch. Yeah. Are you guys noticing a theme here? Maybe if you like hockey, go watch it. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, this Badgers program staying a little bit closer to home over the holiday break, as opposed to when we talked about the Gophers a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're hosting Merrimack to start January before the following weekend, they're back into WCHA action at home against St. Thomas on the road for four straight Mankato and Duluth, respectively. Then they host St. Cloud State to start the month of February on the road against Bemidji. And then they finish with four straight at home again, a very favorable second half in terms of locale. Uh, Minnesota comes to town in the middle of February and then they end the month of February and the regular season against Ohio state. Again, a tough four games though, even at home to finish off before March 1st brings around the WCHA first round of the playoffs here, Nick. So mm -hmm. all things considered, the magical question is, Hey, I'm a Gophers fan. I listened to your show a couple weeks ago and I don't really like the Badgers because I grew up in this state and they grew up in the other state and I'm not a fan of you picking them at number two. And Nick Maxim will respond to that by saying, well, we have them at number two because. Tough shit. <laughs> no, Nick, I said, I, I said, these are Gopher fans, not Bulldog oh, fans. We got to get, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was confused there. Uh, no, and I think let's start this way. Between one, two, and three, it's close. Right, it's close. And uh, throw four know, in there if you want to be. If honestly, you want to, if you want a Bulldogs fan to feel good. Well, and they're not as far away as you know they yeah. could easily be up in there too, right? So it's it's okay. You can be triggered, and that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, um, there's not a lot that separates one, two, and three. There really isn't. I still think four still has a little bit more of a gap, but it's not as big as it used to be. 
Um, but Wisconsin, to me, is just more balanced. Uh, to me, I, I like the defensive core. I, I love, again, the way that Mark Johnson, just the systems that he runs. Um, just they're always formidable, right? Um, again, when you're coming off of another national title game, you're not losing a ton of uh, talent on the roster. Uh, you still have some top scorers that are returning. Um, I, to me, this team might be better than last year, honestly, on paper. Now, can this team come together and repeat that same performance? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, again, I think the Gophers lost a, a little bit more firepower and Wisconsin being the reigning champs and what they're not losing to me puts them a little bit above the edge yep. over the Gophers. But again, we're talking not that much wiggle between these two squads. Yeah, going to be curious. Their only challenge, uh, Jane Gervais is probably going to get the start in net unless otherwise indicated here. A 926 for her, 159, 1.59 goals against average in 11 contests. She will probably get a chance moving into her junior season. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Casey O'Brien, uh, Britta Curl, like I mentioned, coming back. Lacey Eden, Carolyn Harvey, who will be a sophomore defenseman who was electric last season. Uh, and Kirsten Sims, by the way, uh, who will be a sophomore as well. All players with over 30 points. And by the way, uh, Casey O'Brien, two points shy of 50 last season for her uh, and one talk shy of 20 goals, one assist shy of 30. If you're uh, if you're a math person, which I don't know if I am or not, I, I try at least. But this women's program, like you mentioned, a uh, great group that they're bringing back. And I think the other thing that always stands out to me about Wisconsin is and maybe it's because it is a story program. Mark Johnson knows what he's looking for. Again, maybe he's got a little bit of Herb Brooks in him, and we just don't really know it, by the way. Oh, um, I think we do. <laughs> his his roster sizes are not exactly ginormous either like very selective about the players that he wants in that group in that mix there's an expectation that if you redshirt or if you're not getting playing time that the anticipation is you're going to develop and you're going to be a key factor a key player as you move forward into your collegiate career i think this is definitely going to be the case again this year but like you said the returning players the high-end talent boy it's good i, I mean there, there's no doubt about that if you're a Huskies fan and you're grumbling about everything because you're, you know, a Huskies fan, uh, how how do you stop grumbling for a weekend? And how does St. Cloud <laughs> pin more than one victory against these Wisconsin Badgers who are only going to get tougher as the season rolls along? So, again, we, you talk about how tough it is for Wisconsin to drop two, right? Um, it's really tough to suffocate this offense two nights in a row, right? But that's really what it comes down to is you have to figure out a way to frustrate this team uh, two nights in a row, and it's and it's not going to be the same approach, right? No, I think uh, we know with Brian Idelski that is his game plan is to be really, uh, shall we say, just have a strong forefront, especially um, you know in front of his own net. He wants to make it impossible to get to the middle of the ice. But with Wisconsin, what they run, it's tough, right? They really do. You know, you, they can play the perimeter game too, which is is really tough, right? Um, the other thing they do is they do a lot of moving screens, right? Where you're not necessarily going in there, setting up shop and looking for a tip. They'll do flybys. And the other thing you have to contend with as a Husky uh, fan and a player is oftentimes that weak side D, they're involved in that forecheck. They're down low. They're, you know, they're intertwining with that near side forward and that defenseman. You know, they really do involve all five players in the forecheck. It's almost like not an F one, two, three. It's almost like an F one, two, three, four, and five Noah. So right. uh, you, you really do have to, 
you know, because you want to pressure the puck, but you also got to make sure that it's almost like you almost have to stick with the same player the entire shift um, and just puck manage very, very smart, right? Um, they can wear you down. And just in terms of their puck possession in the offensive zone, um, they transition the puck very well. Um, again, we talk about making the smart plays. Wisconsin is known for that. For, so for St. Cloud, you have to be able to match that essentially that IQ level, right? Um, you got to get the puck out efficiently out of your own zone and you got to figure out a way to keep the puck in their offensive zone, which is no easy task. Um, you know, cause sometimes I, I know that with the Huskies victories last year, it maybe wasn't the prettiest of victories, but maybe that's what it has to be. Maybe a little bit sloppy, maybe a bit of a greasy goal, uh, but you have to be able to make those sacrifices and maybe take a little punishment and just know that when it comes to defending, you got to defend smart and not necessarily hard because Wisconsin will make a skate for it. And um, let's just say you're one tired athlete when you're done playing this Wisconsin quad, just because you put on a lot of miles um, on that ice sheet. Yeah, certainly would agree. And I, I, again, we've seen historically that St. Cloud, especially on the Friday night games has tended to play Wisconsin a little bit tighter. And I think for them, again, limiting that offensive opportunity against in the middle of the ice, I certainly would agree. You don't want to be running around. If you stay disciplined against Mark Johnson's squad, one of the things is that, um, and not a bad thing, but they like to stay really patient do the Wisconsin yes, Badgers. And if you can kind of exploit that where, um, again, great reference back. Same thing happened to some Soviet Union team in the 1980s where they felt comfortable and then suddenly they weren't. As time started ticking down, you almost want that same approach, right? I mean, it's just kind of you you, you slowly start start to wear and, and chip away. Maybe you pop a couple, you get a couple bounces, but you have to be doing the right things defensively and then offensively. You know, it's it's not that you have to be opportunistic, but you have to be really selective. Are you getting yep. pucks on net? Are you filtering pucks towards the middle of the ice? Are you making the plays that need to be made? Very curious to see in his second season how Brian Idolsky and company matches up against the Badgers. I think it's going to be really interesting if you're a Huskies fan. And as Nick likes to say, get out to the rink, watch a game, especially when Wisconsin comes to town. Even if it, it ends up being a non-competitive game one way or the other, I, this Wisconsin team is a great watch, a, a great time at the hockey rink, obviously. So, um, and the defending national champions, who doesn't want to be a part of that, of course, as well, too. Um, and who doesn't want to be a part of the Huskies Warming House podcast brought to you by the Soda Pod. Stay wild and up to date with all things in the state of hockey. Centericeview.com, of course, if you're a Huskies fan. Huskiesillustrated.com as well. All things St. Cloud Hockey, including the latest news and photos of your favorite Huskies, Nick. We are kind of getting down to the wire here, Nick. Um, we're moving into the final couple of home spots on the NCHC side of things. And if you uh, have been able to figure out some math by now, you probably know who's going to be at number one on the WCHA side as well, too. This Ohio State Buckeyes team coming up in a couple weeks is dangerous. I that. Like they were dangerous before they won the conference before and they somehow got better. And that's scary. I, I It's scary. But you know, what's, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, they, they're almost like the super teams of the NBA, right. Where they are probably going to have a pretty good regular season, but you know, sometimes these teams aren't necessarily the best playoff teams. So um, they're, but they're still going to be very, very good. No, I'm very curious as you know, to see how Ohio State will do. Certainly we'll discuss a lot more in a couple of weeks uh, when we have them on our preview list. Yeah, super teams. Kind of sounds like the 1980. 1980- okay, I'm done. I promise. Seriously. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I, I mean, I have the original that's game. Your for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's our show. But that, I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I have the original copy of that game and seriously an exceptional watch. And I, I probably, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a hockey game that really does top that game. I, I mean, I know the summit series has this conversation. If you're a Canadian fan, certainly was really great, but I don't know it. I think just everything behind it. I, maybe that's my American bias. Maybe I need to go have a cheeseburger and think about no. it with, with my non-free healthcare, but I, I don't know. You know, it's, and we could, we could have just a podcast episode that could go two hours about that game. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say about healthcare. I was like, oh. no, that would probably <laughs> take a lot longer than that. But uh, the geopolitical, you know, influences in that game, yes. every, you know, all the things outside of the game. And I, and I think, you know, we'll end on this, Noah. What was so interesting about the 1980, you know, game, and I think maybe I know Miracle touched on it a little bit, but the fact that they didn't allow those outside noises to affect how they approached it right and you know i think about some of the times that we're in now and how you know there's certainly some challenges you know outside of our walls and outside of the game but you know at the end of it they were able to sort of you know uh, you know silence the white noise if you want to call it just focus on the game at, at hand and what had to be done to to get a win and i even think if we were to maybe travel back that and i think maybe mark johnson mentioned this too noah that i don't think they realized how important that game really was yeah. to the country until after it after it was done right and, and i think we're learning to appreciate it a little bit more yeah focused on the task at hand obviously which again very characteristic of badger teams now and i think the the thing that really struck me that we kind of had a laugh about as well too is don't forget so that game was actually taped delayed it was played at around and finished at, you know around five six o'clock in the afternoon and then they didn't air it until eight o'clock so actually the pregame package actually ended up being part of the live scene from the chaos coming out of the building and you want to talk about anticipation for an event people understood the buzz that was going on because they knew something had crazy had happened for the u.s but they didn't know what and then they were pushed back into the the repackaged broadcast i i just really interesting times the way that we get information i think obviously so uh but if you're looking for great information find us at warming house den on twitter huskies warming house podcast.com and that will do it for our latest episode next on the docket of course we move to the men's side in the nchc and then our final two teams in the wcha it'll be ohio state and then of course our st cloud state huskies a couple weeks after that as well for nick max and i'm noah grant and we will see you soon in the den Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.